you see two hands. Do y'all need two? Two up there? Uh, uh, Brother Montgomery, there's a, there's a couple up there that need some. Throw them up there, run up there, however. Here you go, here you go. Dad, give him mine. All right, right behind you. All right, and all God's people say it. Are you glad to be saved? I said, are you glad to be saved? Are you glad the devil can't do nothing about it? Amen. Let's give God praise and glory in his house tonight. Amen. I'm going to introduce somebody to you you already know, so I'm kind of wasting my breath there. But this is the man that made me go to Mexico. And uh, no, it was, a, it was a really good trip. He's going to say some stuff about that, and uh, about what took place and what happened over there. And uh, I, I think you have pictures also of the, of the trip and everything that went on. Uh, so that is a, you're, you're going to get to see it firsthand. So, uh, will y'all help me welcome brother David Wood back to Temple Baptist Church. That was me trying to sing. Didn't work out very well. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, it's good to be back in Alabama. It's good to be back in Alabama. It's good to be back in Coleman, Alabama. Did I pronounce that right? Coleman, Alabama. I got to kind of step down on it a little bit when I say it. All right. Is, this, is it kind of like Memphis, Tennessee? Something like that. And then it's good to be back at Temple Baptist Church. I'll tell you what, it's just such a joy to be here. And uh, your preacher and your staff and you and all, y'all are such an encouragement, such a blessing. It's just like an oasis in a time of need to come to this church. How many of you agree with me? Just to be here, it's kind of like an oasis, isn't it? Now, you can be seated if you like, and I want to give you a verse to turn to. We're going to do several things tonight that I trust to be a blessing. And uh, when you're a preacher, when Brother Malcolm asked me to come tonight and talk about a couple of things. What I'm going to really talk about is an approach to take care of the greatest thing that Jesus left us to do. And so I want you to look at James chapter 5 and verse 20. Would you do that? James chapter 5 and verse 20. And that's the verse that we're going to use a lot tonight. And I want you to look at this last verse, by the way, in the book of James. Find a book of Hebrews, and then you jump over one book, and you're at James. That works pretty good, doesn't it? And then the last verse, everybody got it? If you get it, say amen. Because I want you to look at it as I read it very carefully. The Bible says, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. Now that's interesting, that's the last verse. It's kind of like after all that James had talked about, the right kind of religion, how to treat people right, and all these different kinds of things. He came to the end and he said, now, wait a minute, let's refocus on the main thing. Let's refocus on the main thing, which is winning people to Christ. Now, if this was the only verse that you had in your Bible that taught you on soul winning, uh, somebody would say, well, who does the saving? And you read that, let him know that he that which converteth the sinner. You say, well, the Bible says the one that converts the sinner. So the soul winner converts the sinner. You and I know that God does the saving. Can I get an amen on that? When somebody gets saved, God saves them. But you and I get the un unbelievable privilege 
or partnering with him in this business of getting people saved. It's wonderful. Now, the Lord left us here with a tremendous mission. I'm not going to go back and review all of this. I want to talk to you a little bit, and I hope it will be a blessing and we can kind of set a foundation for it. And you know that mission that Jesus left us, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, Go ye therefore into, help me, into how far? Into all the world and preach the gospel to whom? Tell me, to how many creatures? Every creature. That's 8.4 billion people. So go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now that's right here. We know Acts 1.8. It ought to be done here in Colmar. And then it goes from Jerusalem out to Judea and Samaria. That means Alabama, U.S., and uttermost parts of the earth. So that's the mission God has left us here to do. And that's the main thing that's pleasing to God. And God says he is glorified when we bear much fruit. Now, how do we put all of this together? I want to introduce to you tonight, some of you have seen, a little bit about what we call the Witness Project. I'll tell you what that brochure that you got about Mexico is about in just a minute. But I want you to watch a very short video that will help you to see the condition of the world that we need to reach for Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and pull the button on that video and see if that'll run. We'll watch it together. to get the gospel to every creature is still a binding mandate on us today. That is why we speak of the 50% of this world who have never heard of our Savior. But the mission is back-breaking. It's culture-penetrating. It's darkness-shattering. Training national pastors and leaders in soul-winning and church planning, putting into motion the initial work to penetrate, plant the church, see it flourish, get its leaders, train its own people, evangelize its own networks. That's the task of missions. It's not over until they know that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And the alternative is unthinkable. Millions and millions and millions of people on their way to hell. And we have the message of the only one who is the means of escape, Jesus Christ. This message is in our heads. It's in our hearts. It's in our hands. We must act. In the streets of every village, every city, story, and town, empty people live in darkness. Every minute, every hour, hear the cry of desperation. From a billion broken hearts, we 
So count the cost, brothers and sisters. This is not an invitation to an easy life. Within the framework of faith and through the help of committed Christians, we can fit the gospel to every people group across the changing frontier of this globe. Whether it be winning the parents of a small child in a crowded auditorium or just one-on-one -on -one with the gospel, the call is being answered. Let's step up. Let's stand up. Let's speak up for the one who gave himself for us all. God can use you to meet the need. area-wide crusade in Manila in the Philippines and we had 130,000 people per night that's a pretty good crowd and, uh, and God gave us unbelievable results had a lot of people saved and I ran across a lot of what you saw in that video that 50% of the world's never heard of Jesus Christ and and first thing I did was say not my fault what can I anybody ever what can I do about it after all uh, brother Malcolm I'm a pastor have been and now I'm an evangelist, and this is what God's put me in. I'm not, quote, a missionary. And there are professional people that are trained as missionaries. And then I begin to say, well, wow, there are 50% of the world that have never heard the gospel. And out of that, the Witness Project was born, which is what you saw. And that's the international division of our ministry. The word witness means worldwide intensified training of nationals. Does it make sense to train nationals to do what you saw? Every picture you saw is a picture that we took. <laughs> and that represents, believe it or not, what you saw there, 41 different countries. And uh, we have seen God just, just explode this. We go into a country, we bring a national pastor out, and uh, we keep him for three days. And uh, that's where they're waiting for me to get up and show you a little bit of what that's about. <laughs> so I'll do that in a minute. We keep them for three days. After we keep them for three days, then what we do is we give them a syllabus and train them in soul winning and church planning. And then you saw some of them holding them packs up, and uh, you'll see that a little bit on his PowerPoint in a minute. And uh, what we do is we get not only train them, we equip them. Anybody here a mechanic? Any mechanics here? 
What would happen if you knew how to overhaul a motor and you didn't have any tools? Couldn't do it, could you? Any carpenters here? Okay, same principle, isn't it? Uh, you can know how to do it, but if you don't have the tools, you just can't do the job. Now, I want to tell you, these national pastors are tremendously excited, and most of them live on about $400 a year, and that's kind of average, some more, some less, but about $400 a year, and they have virtually nothing. So we translate the material in their own language and then train them how to use it and train them in soul winning and church planning, and God's been good to us. We keep a pretty accountable record on that. So every national pastor we train, within 18 months to 24 months, two years, that national pastor will train about 90 to 100 soul winners. Every one of them will win about 10. That means that's about 900 or 1,000 that we can reach if we can train one preacher. Now, it only costs $250 to train a preacher. <laughs> that's pretty good economy, isn't it? And uh, all I was ever used to was the model of missions which deals with Americans that go, and by the way, we've got to have that done. Our missionaries are our heroes. Could I get an amen on that? It's not that's bad, but we've got we've to extend that to where we can train nationals if we're going to get the job done. And as of this point in India, for instance, just in India, we've been able to train 36,000 national pastors. We will send out 50 pastors the last of June. I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, met with our, our director of India, Thomas Mahara, last night. He'll be getting an honorary doctor's degree that he needs so the Hindus cannot put him out of business in India. And so he'll get that degree and go back. Thomas is a tremendous leader. And when Thomas comes, I'm not trying to embarrass him at all, but when Thomas comes over, if he, if he walks, he'd rather walk barefooted. <laughs> you, you can see him in a restaurant, and I'm thinking, they're going to stop him pretty soon. <laughs> and he's walking barefooted. Have you ever seen anybody, and again, I'm not trying to be gross, anybody ever seen anybody eat with their hands? And when you pick a plate up, and you use a hand. And it's interesting, I don't want to tell you why they use what hand they use, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> but I want to tell you, these are genuine national people that live in their culture, that know the language. And we will send out 50 pastors at the end of June, and they will go out to uh, areas south of Pakistan, Afghanistan, northern areas that we have terrorists in, underground churches, and they will train 20 pastors each. 50 times 20 is how many? Anybody got that? We'll figure it out. 50 times 20 is 1,000. So they will train 1,000 national pastors. That means we can reach somewhere around a million people in the next two years from one event that has never heard of Jesus Christ one time. And so that's kind of what we do. Now we've been praying for Mexico. And we've, we got a, you guys, how many remember James Adams? Way back. Anybody remember James Adams? And, and he was there and you get a chance to meet him and this church supports him monthly. He is the Latin America director. In fact, that's him. Let me see which one he is. First of all, he is, if you go way over to this side, the young man on the right, James is the second man in. And that's a team that just went down there last week. And you can see the guy in the middle that kept it all together. Anybody recognize him? If we had him, the whole thing would have fell apart. So there we are. <laughs> and uh, it was just a blessing. We had a great time. But we prayed for Mexico. And to show you how God works, we established in Central America, El Salvador, but I was preaching in San Diego last, no, last August, and a preacher came up from Mexico City, and I met him, and he came up, and he said, I wanted to meet you, I want to invite you to come down there, because we need some help in training preachers in just what we're talking about. He said, we can take care of the rest of it, but we need training in soul winning and church planning. 
and we've been researching material that you use, this sort of thing. The long and short of that, I went down and held this meeting. That's the reason I want you to have this brochure. You can read it when you get home. And that was in November, November 1 through 7. It was an unbelievable meeting, and God blessed, and we had 999 baptized in one week. That's pretty good results, isn't it? It just was absolutely tremendous. Got to know the preacher a little bit. We went back in January, James Adams and I, by ourselves, went back and trained, oh, I think it was about 200 preachers, about 200, and equipped them. Our plan, you'll read that in here. Our plan was to go back in May, which is step number three, which we just completed last week, and to bring in somewhere around 1,000. We didn't quite hit the 1,000, but we were up nearly 700 that were brought in. From now, we can go all over South America, and we're going to see God do some good things. So watch what happened last week. We went down there. This is the team that went down there together. And I thank God that Brother Malcolm, Brother Jeff could go. It's interesting. There was a variety of a lot of different people. The couple on the left you see way over here, the smiling he and his wife, they're from uh, El Salvador. They don't speak any English. They speak only Spanish. So all the preaching I could both do all week was grunt. Just howdy, that kind of thing. And uh, wonderful people. These people got trained four years ago. They ran 80 to 85 in their church. They've had over 5,000 saved through soul winning in the last five years. It's been amazing. They're tremendous leaders. And they've opened up several other countries for us. It just kind of is a multiplication factor. Now, when we were down there last week, let me give you kind of a little bit of an overview. We trained Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That's the three days. But well, we stayed over one more day so we could have an evangelistic rally. You can see the size of that auditorium, pretty good auditorium. I, I'll be honest with you, I saw the preacher walking around trying to, he bought a little package of stuff that's called Shrinking Made Easy. And he was trying to shrink that building to bring it right back here. I could see him in his mind trying to work that thing out, you know. <laughs> but uh, you look at the auditorium there, that's supposed to see, they tell us, 7,500 people. Brother Malcolm it was full that night, I believe, wasn't it? Not only that, they had to bring in some seats and some benches. And uh, we had a one-night rally. I wish you could have been there and watched what happened. And uh, this is a baptismal pool here that's right behind it. That pool is about from here, I guess, as long as maybe here to the edge of the balcony over there, maybe something like that. And they baptized anywhere four or five or six at a time. Now, when they baptize, the congregation is singing songs and hymns or having specials. They just sit there and baptize and sing together and sit there and rejoice in the things God is doing. Now, that night we had the auditorium full. We had a little over 1,000 saved that night on Thursday night. That was last Thursday night. We didn't need a plane to get home. We kind of just flapped and we were high. Amen. <laughs> and uh, watch this figure. We had 551 baptized one night. In fact, we went back to the motel. They were still baptizing when we went back to the motel because we had to get ready to leave the next day to come back home. And it was an amazing thing to see what God does. Now, we had 672 a delegates. These are national pastors that came, some of them as far as 10, 12, 20 hours away in order to get there. We trained them, and uh, this is the graduating class. If we could blow it up, you could see your preacher and others and the team right down in the front in there. But this is the graduating class. The delegates committed. Now, they fill out a slip at the end, and they have to make a commitment before we give them the material. And the commitment they made was to go home in the next two years and train 3,320 soul winners. Now, if somebody do the math, if every one of them wins, what, 10 each, 
which is about what's reported back to us on average. You know, put a zero on that. How many do you have there? You have 33,000 people. And that's just the first wave of when they start to train. They also made commitments to train 187 churches. So from what happened last week, these precious men have gone back to try to train soul winners and to plant churches. And of course, obvious question is, well, is it working? What's really going on? They made commitments. Uh, we had preaching. In fact, we had good preaching. In fact, we had good preaching. In fact, we had good preaching. <laughs> and listen, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I've been in a lot of conferences. And what you need in the training, you got to wrap it up in preaching. So you start with preaching and end with preaching and train in the middle. And, but you need a preacher that's got some spark. And God gave us that kind of preacher last week. <laughs> Amen? It was amazing. I'll sit back and say, man, I can listen to that guy preach all the time. It was absolutely wonderful. So we had preaching. And uh, in addition to that, we had them practice leading people to the Lord. Anybody remember that was here on Saturday for soul winter training? Where are you at? Remember we had practicing? That's, you, you don't change in another culture. You let people practice how to lead people to Christ. And then we gave them, you can see the material, after we graduated them, they had the material to go home and train their own people. And uh, this is just a few shots of some of the training sessions so you can see what happened. Now, this guy here came in January. Remember I told you we went in January and trained a couple hundred? This guy came back. You say, well, pronounce his name. No, I'll let you do that. I'll also, I can tell you to the pastor, he's got Christ Saved Baptist Church. But it doesn't seem like, sound like that in Spanish. And uh, that's the name. Now, since January, this guy has trained numerous soul winners, and that church has grown 30%. Now, that's since January. That's four months. That in itself is tremendous. Amen? This guy came back since January, four months. They've had 60 soul winners to be trained and graduated through Operation Go. 60. The church has grown 100% double in four months. So if anybody ever asks you, can a church double, what's the answer? What's it take to make it happen? It takes a lot of soul winning, doesn't it? A lot of people inviting people. Just what you do here. That's the reason you have so many opportunities to bring people to hear the gospel. It's all bring people in, bring people in, and get people under the gospel. That's our job. Now, this guy here, this guy was on fire, just a great guy. And uh, all I'm going to read off of who he is, he's from Mexico. I'll let the rest of those words go along, except, you know, the name of the church. Now, in four months, they trained 44 soul winners, and that church grew 40%. Now, this guy, I'm going to be down with him. We haven't set the date yet. But Brother Malcolm and I met him together, and he showed us some pictures. And they have what's called feeding of the 5,000, and they gather, well, they gather 8,000 last time they tried to do that. Had a bunch of people saved, just a tremendous rally. He started his church three and a half years ago, and they were running in January somewhere around 180 or something like that. They now run 325 or 350. They've had numerous soldiers trained. They have already planted one church in four months, and they have started a bus ministry that they did not have. And the church has grown 60%. So there's four examples of people that have gotten trained. I just want you to kind of pick up a little bit. Take this home and read it. We're not going to look at it tonight. But I want you to see a little bit of what's happening worldwide. Now, if God will let us do it, what we want to do, we want to go to San Salvador. San Salvador is coming up. We've already 
going to do this. We're going to train 450. Two universities in town have opened up and invited me to come in and use the auditorium free. One of them is the largest university in all of that country in Central America. It is a communist university. And they invited me to come in, and I'm going to bring the dramatized message on the crucifixion, and we're going to give out 20,000 tickets among the students and hold as many rallies as we need to to get the gospel to the students. Now, that's during the daytime. But the 450 that come in that we train represent seven different countries. If God will let us do it, just in Latin America, under the leadership of James Adams and Scott Winters, our international director, who your preacher got to meet, we're going to go into, if God, as God provides the resources, we go into five different areas. Three of them are brand new countries in South America. So I want to stand and tell you, you know, is it possible to get the gospel to every creature? Yes. Does it take hard work? to take sacrifice. And it all hinges on what God gave us as a method to get it done. And that's what I'm going to take the rest of the time tonight to talk to you about a minute. And that is the method God has given us to do. What you have seen in James chapter 5 and verse 20 is that method in operation, which is God's people being involved in soul winning. So I want to answer a question, if I can, for you tonight. Why will you enjoy being a soul winner? Why will you enjoy being a soul winner? How many folks are here again for the training session we had Saturday morning? Just about, what is it, a month or six weeks ago? It sounded like a year with so much of the time has gone on. We had a tremendous, by the way, I think I got four emails, I believe I'm writing that, that came from this church of people that went out and won somebody of the Lord after that. We ought to say hallelujah for that, amen? That's a wonderful thing. You say, well, by the way, I'm not trying to promote now except to tell you I'm not going to say anything else about it. I did bring back some of the sewing and training material. It's on a table if you're interested. If nothing else, get that 13-point card. You can get some uh, CDs on it. And I brought some back some of the Bibles that people keep talking about that we had at that conference. So you can look at that at the table after it's over. But what are we talking about in sewing? Now watch carefully. Listen. Jesus gave us a mission, which is to preach the gospel to how many people? All people. Every creature. Now wait a minute. He gave us a method to get it done. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit tonight. That method is soul winning correctly understood. And I mean correctly understood according to Bible definition. And that's outlined in Matthew 28. And you that were at the training know that a soul winner is somebody every day while he's going. is looking for the opportunity to witness somebody to win him to Christ. After he wins him, he builds a relationship, gets him in church so he can be baptized. After he gets baptized, he sticks with that person and trains him until that person has won that first soul. Now, I want you to think for a minute, what would happen if every person in this auditorium did that only one time in the next three months? Think it through. What would happen? Anybody think that'd be a good thing? <laughs> that'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Every time you run, somebody would come, you'd have somebody walk down and say, Atlanta Braves. Atlanta who? Do they have a ball team this year? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, football's coming up, and this is coming up. All of a sudden, people come back. Let me tell you about the guy I won to Christ. Let me tell you about the girl I witnessed to. Hey, I had a teenager saved over here, and the life got turned around. Like an like a, a, a email I got, my office followed me two days ago. Somebody went out. They said they won somebody. Here's the way they said it. I'm just giving what they said. We won a, a young girl that had technicolor hair. You say, preacher, what do you think about technicolor hair? I like it. I wish I had some of it. 
it'd be better than zero. Amen? <laughs> but he wants somebody to have technicolor hair. Hey, don't worry about how people are dressed. Don't worry about all the piercing and all these things. Listen, what? Why don't we expect lost people to live like lost people? What would you be like if you weren't saved? <laughs> so we don't want to judge people. We want to witness to people to win them to Christ. And then they grow in grace. Amen? And said, I want this teenager to Christ. And after she came to church, she made it public. And she got baptized in church and came to me and told me the next night when I picked her up, said, I want to go out and disciple a little bit and picked her up. And she told me she thought she was going to commit suicide and was planning it when she met me and I wanted to Christ. I want to tell you, you're going to make the difference being a soul winner between where somebody spends an eternity, whether it's heaven or hell, because there's, ladies and gentlemen, only two places to live forever. One place is heaven, and the other place is hell. And we may as well use the word and get honest about it. Amen? The average Baptist, the only time they hear the word hell in church is when one member is inviting somebody else where they really want them to go. I mean, that should not be the case. We ought to be using it like the Bible talks about it. Amen? We ought to be telling people how to be saved. Now, let me tell you what you like about soul winning. If you're not really active in it, let me tell you what you will like about soul winning. Number one, you're going to like your, your, your commander. You're going to like your commander because your commander is Jesus Christ. Amen? He's our commander. I was on a plane. guy said, what do you do? I said, well, I go out and try to recruit people. He said, like in an army? I said, well, you're kind of like that. He said, are you in the service? I said, yes, sir. He said, how long have you been in it? I said, well, ever since I've been saved. He knew then he was asking the wrong questions, amen? <laughs> and we got talking about that a little bit. Let me tell you, but I don't want you to turn to it. I want you, you can if you want to, but I want to read you a couple of verses out of Philippians. I want to talk about your commander for a minute. Let me tell you, as a soul winner, you have a commander, you have a leader, and that leader is Jesus Christ. Amen? Say it with me. I have a commander. Say it. I have a commander. Now, whether we listen to him or not, he's still your commander. Amen? And we're going to give an account one day. Let me read a couple of verses about him. I'm reading Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. Who, talking about Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Can you imagine how humble Jesus had to be to take a step from glory down to this earth and be a, in the body of a human man? Do something with me for a minute. Close your eyes for just a minute. Close your eyes. Now I want you to think, and I'm sincere, I want you to think of a worm. Think of an earthworm. Now, with your human brain and your human taste and your human attributes, I want you to take upon you the form of that earthworm. And for 30 years, I want you to crawl on this earth and bear her down to the ground and eat what that earthworm eats. So for 33 years, you become an earthworm. Now look back at me for a minute. That's pretty humbling. Amen? And that doesn't compare to what it was like for Jesus to leave the glories of heaven and come down to this earth and take the form of a man. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a real step down for him to become like one of us. Amen? He had to humble himself. Now watch, read on for a minute. 
And watch, verse 8, and being in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto what? Tell me aloud. Unto what? Unto death. What kind of death? Even the death of a cross. He knew what it was going to be like when he came and was born. And so he took that step down lower than it would be if you and I became a worm for 30 years. said, I volunteer, God, to be a worm and climb on it. I'll humble myself if it will help the cause. Jesus came down and took upon him the form of a man. That's your commander. That's the humility of the commander you serve. And that's the kind of love that he has for us. Wherefore, we'll look at verse 9. Don't you like this? Wherefore, God has, all, has, has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Look at verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven. Watch. That's things up in heaven. Things in earth and things under the earth. That's everything. Everything. By the way, your atheist friends, regardless of how sincere they may be, they may say there's no God, but I'm going to tell you one day, God is so going to change their heart that they are going to get on their knee and say, Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Now, according to this verse, look at verse 11, and that every tongue should declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to whose glory? Tell me aloud. So let's bring glory to God the Father and say it again. Jesus is Lord. Every atheist is going to have to say that, but it'll be too late because they're already in eternity without Jesus Christ. You know what you're going to like about soul winning? You're going to like your commander. Can I get an amen on that? You get up every day and talk to him. The Bible says he'll be your friend. It's not that he's a put-me-down. He's an encourager. He picks you up. So I like our commander. I also like something else. I like our commission. You recognize you've been commissioned. How many folks have been saved? You're excited about it? Wave at me. All right, now, same crowd out of rich. How many of you have been commissioned by your commander? Hold your hand up. Same crowd. Everyone, everybody saved has been commissioned. To do what? Get the gospel to every creature. Amen? Come on, talk to me. Amen? That's a commission we got to get done. I don't want to talk about that commission a lot. I wish I had a long time to talk about it. But I simply want you to know that commission is to get the gospel to every creature. And the method as I kind of outlined a minute ago, is every day where I'm going, I ought to be looking for people to tell to Christ. I pulled in to give some gas today, and actually I was aggravated. Is it all right for me to say that I'm a human being? I get mad once in a while. Anybody else beside me get mad once in a while? Aggravated? I said, why was you aggravated? I was stopped for 35 minutes in traffic and could not move on I-20 when I first came into Alabama coming out of Mississippi. And I sat there, and I said, my goodness, you know, I'm a little impatient. I'm going like this, but I couldn't do anything. I wanted to, I, I got a four-wheel drive I could have clicked in. If I thought I'd get by with that, I'd have probably gone on the grass around the edge and gone up through the side. I don't know. But I sat there thinking about that, and I said, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. And so I just sat there and waited it out. And it took me 35, 40 minutes to get through it, and I got up there, and nothing was going on where they blocked the traffic. How many have ever seen that happen? Now, we're about six guys leaning in on a shovel. That's about it. <laughs> and so I pull in. I have to get some gas. I pull in the next day to get some gas. I didn't have the best attitude. So I was getting a little gas in there, and lady over there, and she said, I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, me either. <laughs> She'd over there. I could hear on the other side of the pump. I don't know what to do. Me either. And God kind of said, why don't you straighten your attitude out? And I said, okay, I'll do that. Everything's great and wonderful. <laughs> Give me a witness. Amen. I said, I'll get my attitude straight. Everything's great and wonderful. So I went around and I said, I said, what do you mean you know what I do? I'm a preacher. Let me pray for you. She said, you wouldn't do that. I said, yes, I would. 
And I said, what is it you don't want to do? She said, my father's sick, and I was in this. I've got to get to him. I don't know what to do. And I said, man, let's pray for your father. What's his name? And we talked about it. And I said, well, you're already a little bit late. you got five or six more minutes? She said, yeah. And so I gave her the wonderful story that we're all sinners. How many of you remember this? We're all sinners. We're going to hell for our sins. Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty. We bowed our head right there, and she received Christ as her Savior. And I thank God for that. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, you look at yourself and say, I'm an imperfect vessel. Hey, you're looking at an imperfect vessel. <laughs> you're looking at somebody God has to say, why don't you keep yourself straight all the time? And but I thank God for our commander. Amen. And I thank God we've been commissioned. And so as you witness to somebody and give somebody a track or one of these cards that you tell them about the church or some invitation to come to a big event, whatever you do to get somebody under the gospel or to win them to Christ yourself, you have been commissioned to do it. You've been commissioned by Jesus Christ who left heaven to come to this earth and walk on this earth in humility in order the job could be done. Amen. So I thank God. I like, you know, the same thing you like, I like about so many. I like our commander. Anybody beside me like our commander? And I like the fact, I like our commission. We've been commissioned. Isn't that a great thing to know? Let me tell you what else I like. I like our converts. I like our converts. How many folks have been saved in this building in the last 10 years? Hold your hand up. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful thing to see? Glory to God. Pretty good to be saved, isn't it, brother? Whole lot better than being lost, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? Amen. I got a guy who led the Lord named Tommy Winstead. Tommy's a good guy. I had him in Operation Go. was training him in Operation Go up in Michigan, the second church I started. Tommy is so thin that when he stands like this, you know he's thin, but if he stood this way and stuck his tongue out and you were standing there, he'd look like a zipper. I mean, he's thin. <laughs> Tommy's thin. So I took Tommy out one night. I said, Tommy, let's go soul winning. We walk in Dave Marsland's home. Dave Marsman was a natadite. I didn't know what a natadite was, so I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Anybody know what a natadite is? Anybody ever heard of Dutch Reform? Wow. Dutch Reform. Robert Schuller, anybody remember that name from a lot of years ago? He was Dutch Reform. And so the Dutch Reform came over from Holland, and they migrated, and a lot of them landed in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they have these Dutch Reform church, very elitist, high-chest churches like this, good people. But, you know, just very elitist kind of thing. No gospel, this sort of thing. And Dave was in a Dutch Reformed church, but it was a natadite Dutch Reformed, which means they speak only Dutch. It's, real, it's like a Catholic church that only used Latin. I mean, it was strict. But Dave was a drunkard. I was on the radio every day, and Dave was listening to me, and I had this southern accent, and I think it kind of lulled him along a little bit. And so he was listening to me 15 minutes every day, 15 minutes. One night he got drunk. He told his wife, Lena, call that preacher, that preacher. You ever been called that preacher? Call that preacher. <laughs> so she said, I'll call him, but I'm not going to be in the same room with him because I'm Dutch. And if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. I mean, that was it. <laughs> so, but I'll get him for you. So she called. I said, I called Tommy up. I said, Tommy, he, I was training him in soul winning. I want you to go with me. He said, all right. So we walk in that home. And Dave, he's about six sheets to the wind. Do people in Alabama know what that word? How many of you know what it means, six sheets to the wind? Yeah, so he's drunk. And he's sitting over here, and he's kind of gone drunk. And I'm saying, good night. Wonder if he'll even understand what I talked to him about. And his wife said, he's yours. I'm in the other room. I'm not going to stay in the room. I said, okay. So I sit down and start talking to Dave. Front door walks up, and in walks a couple teenagers. Waved to Dave Marsland. 
They walk downstairs. A couple more teenagers come in, go downstairs. I mean, more. They come in. If I look at Dave, I said, Dave, what is going on downstairs? He said, I got four boys down there. They're having some friends over, having nothing to it. They're having a pot party. It's okay. I said, really? I thought, they all lost. Amen? So I said, Tommy, follow me. So I took Tommy downstairs, and it was a tri-level home. We walked down and opened the door down there, and they had a big rec room down there, and they had nothing but red lights on, you, know, you understand, smoking pot. When I opened the door, I said, whoa. I mean, it was something. It was cold. So I cut the fluorescent lights on. You ought to see these teenagers jump. I mean, they were going around. I said, hold it. I'm not the police. I said, something else is going on here. This is Tommy Winstead. Tommy's got something he wants to talk to you about. And I threw Tommy in the room and slammed the door. That means you gotta, you got to fish or cut bait. you got to do something. I walked upstairs, and I started talking to Dave about God. And he started more talking about God, and more he sobered up. And he said, well, I've been an awful husband. I've been an awful. We said, I've been an awful husband. I could have Lena in the other room. She became a Baptist. She said, amen. <laughs> I've been an awful husband. I've been an awful dad. And I talked to him about being a sinner. And Dave got on his knees and accepted Christ as Savior. And I started trying to ground him a little bit and get him started where I could get him in church. And pretty soon, here come Tommy up from downstairs. Tommy was ramrod straight, just like that. And behind him were seven teenagers just walking behind him. I said, how'd it go, Tommy? I had seven saved. I said, well, glory to God. Tell him about it. I mean, man, he was excited. He became a general overnight. <laughs> and the oldest one, Steve Marsden, the oldest, he was a senior at East Kentwood High School. And Steve got saved, and he said, Dad, one of them hugged his dad. He said, Dad, I've been a sorry son. I apologize. I've been such a sorry son. I've been dealing drugs. I've been selling drugs. I run the drugs in high school over here. Dad, I'm sorry. And he said, I've been an awful dad. I've been a real. And they started arguing over which one was the worst. <laughs> well, you got a bad dad or a bad son. I said, you guys cut it out. Both of you saved now. It's all right. You know where Steve Marsman is today? Pastor of the church. I like our converts. People say it doesn't work. Hey, peddle that stuff somewhere else. Amen? You guys have been saved the last little bit in church here. Does it work? Amen, it works. All God's get looking for is somebody to go out and look for some converts. So I'm looking to you and tell you what you like about soul winning. What you like about soul winning is your commander. You love your commander. Amen? You love the commission that he's given you to give the gospel to every creature. You love something else, <laughs> you love your converts. Olin Ganey. i got to tell you about one more. Olin Ganey. When I first got started in soul winning, Olin painted. Any painters in here? He's a good painter. Yeah. Here's what, here's what Olin taught me about painting. He said, Preacher, you've got to remember this. It doesn't cost but that much more to go first class. You know, everything he did wanted first class. didn't cost that much more. You know where Olin came from? Olin came from downtown Columbia, South Carolina, out of the bars. And he was, they had a group down there that would knife fight. I, I kid you not, it's awful. They would knife fight. And he had a guy that he had severely injured, and some of his friends said they were going to get revenge on him. And Olin got saved. And Olin went down and wanted to win those friends to Christ. He witnessed to them. And I'd go with Olin. Olin, Olin wanted to get a bus ride. He said, Preacher, he said, I've wasted my whole life. I want to get some kids saved. 
So Olin would go out and get kids saved. He'd go out and get them saved. I went visit with him one time, and he said, there's a man that just whips his wife. He's in a trailer park. I want his wife to come. He won't let his wife come to church. We go, Olin loved people. He'd work with people. Early on Sunday morning, I got a call. Early on Sunday morning from the police, and they said, Olin's dead downtown in an alley. I kid you not, I went to see him, and I first saw him, he had a smile on his face. I asked his wife, I said, what was Olin doing down there? He said, he was down there trying to win people to Christ. Can I say something to you? I got a feeling that Olin, he's up in heaven right now just, you know what he's doing? He's up there going, amen? A whole lot better than I can do it because he's got all that energy. He's just clicking his heels and rejoicing in the things of God. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to live forever on this earth anyway. Why don't we take somebody with us? Amen? Why don't we work at it? I, I could tell you convert after convert. Your preacher could do this, and some of you could do this. But I want to tell you, converts, one of the things you're going to like about it is you're going to make a difference in somebody's life. You're going to make a difference in somebody's life. I want you to say it with me this way. I can make a difference in somebody's life. Say it with me. I can make a difference in somebody's life. And yes, you can. You can make a difference in somebody's life. That's our converts. There's so much else I'd like to tell you. I'm going to tell you one more thing. We'll stop. I can, just, this is kind of like a freight train. You know, you got your engine on the track, and you put a car and a car and a car. When it's time to quit, you put the caboose on. So I'm going to put the caboose on right now. Somebody say amen to that. I knew you would. All right, here we go. Last thing I want to give you. I like our conclusion. I like our conclusion. One thing you like about soul is our conclusion. Let me show it to you. Turn with me to Revelation for just a minute. I do want you to look at this, and I want you to see it. It won't take but a second, but I want you to see it. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. By the way, verse 1 of Revelation uh, chapter 4 deals with the rapture. Behold, a door was opened in heaven, and a voice said, Come up. And so that come up hither in verse 1 is the rapture, and then we're in the presence of God, and we're giving glory to God, and crowns are cast at his feet, and so on like that. But I want you to look down for just a minute at verse 8 in chapter 5. Verse 8 in chapter 5. We're still at the presence of God right after the rapture of the church in heaven. And when he had taken the book, the four and the four elders fell down before him, uh, down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayer of saints. And they sung a what? Somebody tell me aloud. A new song. What kind of song? A new song. They sung a new song. That means a song that nobody at Temple Baptist Church has ever sung before. That means no Baptist hymnal has never had it in it. It's a new song they're going to sing. Now, the words of that song, if you look at it a little bit, it helps us understand the theme, verse 9. Thou art worthy. By the way, this is all the saints, all the redeemed of all ages, right after the rapture of the church, that are in heaven glorifying God. Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us. Watch, that has redeemed us. You said there are angels. No, these are not angels. Angels haven't been redeemed. It's you and I that have been redeemed. And we're going to be able to sing, God, you have redeemed us to God by thy what? Tell me aloud. By thy blood. Out of every, talk to me. Out of every, and every, and every, and every. I don't know what's going to happen this way. I really don't know. But that new song is going to be sung, I believe. Boy, I've waited to get to heaven and find out. I believe that new song will be in every language of all these nations at one time. 
Brother Malcolm, did we ever figure out where the guy, was he a translator or an interp- or interrupter for us when he was preaching? I don't know which one he was. He helped a lot, didn't he? <laughs> but where you got to have a translator to speak to him because you can't speak the language every land I go into. I have to have a different translator for different lands. I don't know the languages. Anybody know anybody that knows every language? Perfect. Anybody know anybody? Anybody know anybody? God does. Amen. And I got a feeling when God said, I want you to preach the gospel to every creature, there's going to be people in heaven. Say it aloud with me one time at the end of verse 9. Out of every kindred, every that's language, and every people, and every nation. And they all stand before God, and they've all been redeemed by the blood. And we're going to sing together a new song. I got a feeling we're going to sing in a lot of different languages at one time. I've done that on some countries where we did once last week. I had them sing Amazing Grace, and uh, I sung English, but I couldn't sing. And they sung Spanish, so that's two languages right there, singing together at the same time. Anybody ever done anything like that? I want to tell you, that'll bless you. And uh, most I've ever had was seven together at one time, seven different languages at one time, all singing Amazing Grace together. And that's what's going to happen up in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, you look at what's happening in our elections. You look at what's happening in the economic of the world. You look at what's happening in globalization. We look at what's happening in the lack of sovereignty in our nation. We look at what's happening in all the hideous things. How can people treat people like they treat? What ISIS is doing and all these other things. And we wonder about our children and we pray and we want to be responsible citizens. We want to do it all. Read the last 10 verses in Revelation. Everything's going to end up okay. And as far, now it doesn't mean we don't have responsibility. You ought to be registered, we ought to vote, and we ought to live moral life and pray for our leaders. We ought to do what God tells us to do. But on the other hand, God's got everything under control. How many of you believe that? God's got everything under control. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, our job is to get the gospel to every creature. Amen? And it begins with you and right here. Let's pray, can we, for a minute? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Is God speaking to hearts? Well, just a minute. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I don't know if there's anybody in here today that would say, Preacher, I have never won a soul to Christ, but I'd like to. I would never want a 